Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, our soul dependency is upon you tonight. Lord, we realize that we cannot create an anxious thought. But Lord, we thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit, the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. And we pray tonight that the Holy Spirit would come, have your way. Lord, open hearts and open eyes and open ears. Give liberty tonight. Speak in the hearts tonight, Lord. Lord, we plead the blood of Jesus over this house tonight. We take authority over all principalities and powers and land-deceiving spirits that are at work in this place. And we pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Lord, that you would have your way among us tonight. Bless your word and glorify your name in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take our seats together. Praise the Lord. If you have your Bible, Second Samuel chapter 18. Second uh, Samuel chapter 18. And uh, a number of times I've spoken this chapter. I just have felt of the Lord that this is uh, the chapter that he would lead me to tonight. And the title is hanging between heaven and hell, hanging between heaven and hell. And Second Samuel chapter 18, you may be familiar with the story. I'll, I'll fill in a wee bit of the context in a moment after our reading. But if you just listen, if you haven't got a Bible, if you just listen uh, tonight just to this story, it's a very, it's a powerful story. It's a relevant story. It's relevant to your life. And I believe it would do you good to listen and to open your heart and just to pay attention for a few moments uh, to these words because they're crucial and they're important. And you might find yourself hanging between heaven and hell. That's a very sobering thought. You might find yourself hanging between heaven and hell. And I want you to think about that as we turn to God's word. Second Samuel 18, verse 9 says, And Absalom met the servants of David. Absalom rode upon a mule, and the mule went under the thick boughs of a great oak, and his head caught hold of the oak, and he was taken up between heaven and the earth, and the mule that was under him went away. And a certain man saw it and told Joab, and said, Behold, I saw Absalom hanged in an oak. And Joab said unto the man that told him, And behold, thou sawest him, and why didst thou not smite him there to the ground? And I would have given thee ten shekels of silver and a girdle. And the man said unto Joab, Though I should receive a thousand shekels of silver in mine hand, yet would I not put, my forth, put forth mine hand against the king's son. For in our hearing the king charged thee, and Abishia and Atiah, saying, Beware that none touch the young man Absalom. Otherwise I would have wrought falsehood against mine own life. For there is no matter hidden from the king, and now thyself wouldest have set thyself against me. Then said Joab, I may not tarry thus with thee. And he took three darts in his hand and thrust them through the heart of Absalom while he was yet alive in the midst of the oak. And the ten young men that bear Joab's armor compassed about and smote Absalom and slew him. And Joab blew the trumpet, and the people returned from pursuing after Israel. For Joab held back the people. And they took Absalom and cast him into a great pit in the wood and laid a very great heap of stones upon him. 
And all Israel fled, every one to his tent. And we know the Lord will bless the reading of his word. I want, I just need your attention for a few moments tonight. Uh, just everybody, if you could, because this is really important. And you might say, well, I'm not really interested, but you're going to need these words. Maybe not tonight. I pray it would be tonight, but you will need these words in the future if God spurs us. So it's important to listen. I want to talk about this man, Absalom, just for a few moments, and who he was, his background, and how he came to find himself hanging between heaven, the Bible says here, earth, but really it was heaven and hell. And this man, Absalom, was the third son of King David. Um, his mother was Maaka, and she was the daughter of Talmiah, the king of Geshur, a heathen prince. And we know in biblical times, kingdoms and kings would marry off their daughters to different kings to create a political alliance. And this is exactly what happened. We see that Absalom was born uh, from a heathen mother that David had married uh, for the sake of a political alliance. And Absalom, his name means the father of peace, but really in his life, there was little peace. But I want to talk about this boy, this young man, and it's important tonight. Second Samuel chapter 14 and verse 25 tells us a wee bit about him. Second Samuel 14 verse 25. This is important because we're dealing with souls. We're dealing with your soul. We're dealing with heaven. We're dealing with hell. And we haven't got a lot of time. And time is so short. And in the context of this meeting, let me tell you why it's important to me. You know, there's a young man I was told about just during the week. I don't know him, but it's broke my heart since I heard it, that he came in out of church. I was going to share later on in this message. He's coming in out of church over the past couple of years. He was heavily involved in Satanism. And he got himself away from that. He was coming along to the house of God down in Calvary, Pentecostal. He came a few times, sat under the gospel. A couple of times he maybe talked about, yes, I believe this is to be true. I need to get right. But he never got right. A number of weeks ago, I know Stephen had a bit of a time with him in the room and said, you know, you need to get right with God. And he said, yeah, I know I need to get right with God. I will do it. 28 years old. Went missing last Sunday night. Found him hanged on Tuesday. What I mean here tonight, why I'm serious about these things is because there but for the grace of God go anybody in this room. And these are serious things. I, I don't joke around with them. I'm not trying to manipulate anything. But you know, you need to hear what God would say to you tonight. I, I feel of a message for all of us, not just for our young people or older people. We need to hear these things because... It's life. And I know that if any one of us could save you, I know that. I know, listen, I know if I could save anybody in this room, and I know many people, if, I, if we could save you, listen, if I could carry you, if I could carry you into heaven, I tell you, I would carry you all the way. But thank God tonight that you don't need me to carry you. There's one who can carry you, and his name's Jesus. I want you to listen carefully because this is important. It's really important. It's time to listen to the reality of where we are. It's not a time to play games. You know, I was brought to church. I thank God for it. 
My mother and father brought me to every meeting. If I'm honest, I didn't probably take much heed to a lot of what was going on. I just used it as a time of my mother tell you all the stories about the life that I lived as a youngster. And just the life, just sitting through all the meetings here and all the preaching, great preaching, great times I can remember, great presence of the Lord. And yet it was nothing to me. I was just enjoying going to church. I had to go to church at no choice. I know what that feels like. I want to tell you something, friends. I'm so thankful for it. The mercy of God. One day, one day in your life, one day in your life, you're going to come to the place where it will be a reality that you need to know this Jesus. Tonight you might be deceived by the pleasures of sin like I was drawn into a world and being told that there's greener pastures and there's much more fun and there's freedom. Listen, you can play any game you want with me, but I tell you, friend, you'll not play games with God. You'll not play games with God. No hard men in hell. There's no hard men in hell. No big guys. Jokes are up. The games are over. They're playing around. But thank God there's mercy. Tells us of Absalom in 2 Samuel 14, 25. This is what it says about him. In all of Israel, there was none to be so praised as Absalom for his beauty. It says from the sole of his foot even to the crown of his head, he didn't have one spot. Isn't that amazing? Have you seen Absalom? If Absalom actually walks through this door tonight, I think most of us would turn around and say, he's a really good looking fella. It's all right, by the way, for a guy to say, he's a good looking lad. That's, they've made it something different today. I'm, I'm willing to acknowledge that guy's good looking and I'm not. It's all right. But if he walked in tonight, maybe some of the younger single girls' hearts would start to flutter a bit. Maybe some of the guys would start to flex their muscles because someone's threatening their patch. We've all been here. But he really was an astounding looking man. It actually tells us here in all of Israel, there was, so, there was no one to be praised like Absalom for his beauty. Like this, he was the man. He really was the man. What really set Absalom apart from most people, it says in verse 26, when he pulled his head, in other words, when he weighed his hair, his head, this guy had her. I mean, this guy really had her. I mean, when they wed his hair alone, it said it was the head was 200 shackles after the king's weight. It was really heavy on him. This wasn't just a wee, a wee doodah at the front or something. This was her. So this guy was particularly, now probably the girls would be jealous. <laughs> Where'd that guy get his hair? So if he came in here tonight, it would be likely that most of us would turn around. He would stand out. There was something different about him. Simply because he was absolutely astonishing looking. He was a handsome man. He hadn't, he hadn't a spot in his body. Eh? He just had clear skin. I grew up with a brother, my goodness. 
You hit those teens. You get your first spot. You live with your brother in your room. It's murder. Then he gets them. And you get your own back. <laughs> and so this guy was just amazing. He was a guy that sort of wanted to go out and put things right. He would take things into his own hand. He had a sister called Tamar, half-sister. Something terrible happened between her and their half-brother. Actually interfered with her. Absalom was absolutely fuming. Absalom says, I'm going to sort this guy out. So there was a great sheep-shearing festival. Absalom lured Amnon to come along to this festival and said, everything's going to be fine. You just come along. So he came along. But Absalom has set him up. And Absalom murdered him for what he'd done to his half-sister. After that, of course, Absalom was afraid of his father, David, decided that he would run and he would go to his grandfather, the heathen king. And there he spent, if you do the research, the Bible tells us that he spent a few years there with the heathen king. During this time, David longed for his son. I want you to listen, because you're going to find something out about the very heart. I believe it's the heart of God. Even though his, his son had done this awful deed, and in some ways some might say, well, that was the right thing to do, but he took the fight into his own hands. He executed his brother, and he fled. David began, begins to long for Absalom's return. He was so brokenhearted. Joab, one of David's mighty men, he's an important character. Won't you remember Joab tonight? Joab, one of David's mighty men, began to scheme a way back for Absalom. And eventually it tells us in 2 Samuel 14, 24, that David granted Absalom's return, but he wasn't allowed to appear before him. So Absalom is back in Jerusalem. He's back in the confines of his father's reign and remit. And for two years, the Bible tells us, Absalom lived in Jerusalem without ever seeing the king. But Absalom was frustrated with the restrictions put upon him. When I was a young fella, I didn't like restrictions. I did not like restrictions. My dad, right, has a particular whistle. I can't do it. He, But see, when it came for our time to come in, like 10 o'clock at night, I'd be standing with all my mates, and the next minute you'd hear this whistle going, and everyone would go, what's that? I don't know. And then it just will get louder because my dad's coming hunting us. And then it'll go, that's your dad. And I was like, I know. And this happened every night. I didn't like coming in what time was told. I didn't like all those things that young men don't like. Restrictions. Absalom didn't like the restrictions. Thank God for restrictions. Thank God for discipline. Thank God for parameters in our lives. Thank God for those things. They're there for a reason. It builds our character. It helps us to understand what authority is and discipline in our lives. It's a good thing to have restrictions. It's a good thing to have parameters. It's a good thing to have rules. Would you say amen? amen. But Absalom was frustrated with these rules. And so he sends for Joab to arrange a meeting with the king. But Joab, one of David's mighty men, see, Absalom's saying, I want something. Right? Now listen, 
Listen very carefully. I want something. You know, Brian shared the other night with his Virgil and Weir in the tent was sure, and he said that the national anthem of hell is, I did it my way. <sighs> the national anthem of hell is, I did it my way. Absalom wanted his way. And see, when you have that drive to get your own way, you start to manipulate things, start to play games. So that's what Absalom was doing. He sends for Joab to arrange a meeting with the king, but Joab wouldn't come. And Absalom sent a second time for Joab, but he still wouldn't come. So what did he do? Let's, we're going to get a bit of a look at what Absalom's like. If you turn at the chapter 14, 2 Samuel chapter 14, just listen to what he what he did, 2 Samuel chapter 14. And verse 30. Therefore he said unto his servant, See Joab's field is near me, and he hath barley there. Go and set it in fire. Who'd like to have a neighbor like this? If he didn't get his own way, burn your shed down. If he didn't get his own way, burn your car. This is the type of guy Absalom was. So what he did was, Joab... If you're not going to do what I'm going to tell you to do, he sends his servants, set it in fire, and Absalom's servants set the field in fire. And Joab arose and came to Absalom unto his house and said, Wherefore have thy servants set my field in fire? And Absalom answered Joab, Behold, I sent thee, saying, Come hither, that I may send thee to the king. Wherefore am I come to Geshur? It had been good for me to have been there still. Now therefore let me see the king's face, and if there be any iniquity in me, let him kill me. And Joab came to the king and told him, and when he had called for Absalom, he came to the king and bowed himself on his face to the ground before the king, and the king kissed Absalom. This is a guy that wants his own way, and whatever it takes to get his own way, he'll do it, even, even to burn his neighbor's fields. Think about it. Would you like to live beside Absalom? He's a bit of a character. And so he now has this reconciliation with his father. And then we turn into chapter 15. He's made his way back. And I want you to follow this because this goes somewhere. Chapter 15, in verse 1, we read, And it came to pass after this that Absalom prepared him chariots, horses, 50 men to run before him. Now Absalom is the man. He has it all now. He's been reconciled into the father, brought back into the kingdom. Amnon, his, his brother, is dead. He's looking very much that he's the one that's going to take the throne. He's back in. He's living off his daddy in some ways. And now he's got the chariots and the horses. And he says, I tell you what I'm going to do. Because I'm the boy, I get 50 men to run with me. And everyone knew then when Absalom was coming because there's the chariots, there's the 50 men, there's the her, there's the physique, there's the beauty, everything about him. Here's Absalom coming. Everyone knew Absalom. It looks as though Absalom's made it. It looks like he's the man, but you see Absalom is, is being driven. He's being driven with an agenda of what he wants in life. He wants to know what it is for him to be popular, to be, to be rich, to be famous, to be noticed, to be the best, and all that competition that comes. And we read there in verse 2, And Absalom rose up early and stood beside the way of the gate, and it was so that when any man had a controversy came to the king, Absalom called out, 
and said, Of what city art thou in a servant which said of one of the tribes of Israel? And, and Absalom said unto him, See thy manners are good and right. There is no man deputed of the king to hear thee. And Absalom said, Moreover, Oh, that I were made a judge in the land. You see, I should have the position, the post. I should be the one promoted. So every time David was otherwise engaged with other affairs, but when 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 the people came and David would sit in the morning, there would be no one that the king would sit and people would bring their issues and their cases before him and the king would make decisions on their behalf and make judgments for them. But the king at this time was busy, but Absalom was very smart. Absalom said, I'll tell you what I'll do. When I see them coming, I'll say, where are you from? And people would turn around, there's Absalom. Stand. I'll tell you what I'll do. I can make the judgment for you because, you know, I'm, the, I'm really the person that you should be looking at. And you know what Absalom did? He didn't make a righteous judgment. He began to tell the people, I want you to hear. He began to tell the people what they wanted to hear. Not what they needed to hear. There's two different things there. And so you can find people that will tell you what you want to hear. They'll tell you all manners of things that, that fit into the ego and fit into the things that you want in your life. But they'll not tell you They'll never tell you what you need to hear. Friend, I want to tell you, we'll tell you what you need to hear. I'll tell you why. Because we do love you. We do love you, that's why. And so we see, if you read those verses there, we see then verse 1, one of the commentators says that Absalom, listen, to, here's a catalog to describe his character. He was bold. He was violent. He was revengeful. He was haughty. He was enterprising. He was magnificent. He was eloquent. He was a popular prince. He was rich. He was ambitious. He was vain of his personal accomplishments. And after the death of Amnon and his reconciliation to the father, his father, he saw no hindrance in his way to the throne. Absalom had it made. And he had one goal in life that he was going to be the man. But he left one thing out. God. He made his plans. He made his career path. He made his focus in life. He, he knew what he wanted. He knew, if we put it in modern terms, they had chariots. He knew the car he wanted. He knew the house he was going to live in. He knew the position he was going to have. He knew the career he was going to have. He knew how he was going to look. He knew what he was going to buy. He knew what clothes he was going to wear. He wanted everyone to look at him. He had everything planned. But he left out God. He left out God. Serious mistake. Absalom conspired and began to deceive and plot to overthrow his own father in Hebron. And when David was told what Absalom was doing, I want to show you something about what a real man is. Because everything's about what is a man. But I want to show you a real man in David. When he heard what Absalom, his son, was doing and all the schemes and all the plans, it tells in verse 14 of that chapter, David said, let us arise and let us go. What? Let's gather together all the people. If Absalom wants the throne, he can have the throne. If Absalom wants position, he can have the position. And all the people left and they began to weep following David and they brought the Ark of the Covenant. And David said, no. You just leave that ark of the covenant where it is because if God wants me on that throne, God will keep me on that throne. I'll tarry in the plain of a wilderness. 
until the word comes that I have to go back. But I'll not fight. I'll not fight this battle with flesh. I'll not fight it. I'll trust God. And God will bring me back. And there's a warfare that starts between Absalom, who's out for himself and the throne, and David and the people that are with him. And in our reading tonight, we see Absalom's on his donkey. We see that the war is intense and we see that he's running. You see, I want you to listen carefully because you've you got to know this. You've got to know this. You see all the plans and all the schemes and all the thoughts. You see all, all, the, all the intentions and all the ambitions of life. Here we see, let me tell you something. The Bible says, the Bible says, be sure your sin will find you out. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. The Bible says, be not deceived, God is not mocked. Let me tell you something, there's a payday for sin. There's a payday for sin. But listen, I'm enjoying, I understand that. I can remember many times standing in streets, I was never disrespectful, but I can remember many times standing with all the boys, and everyone's all out in the street, and we're at a parade or something, and everybody's drunk, and everyone's having the time of their life, and everyone's enjoying supposedly, because it's not the truth, the pleasures of sin, and a wee man comes up and he gives out tracks, and I would always be courteous and say, thanks very much, and I never, let me tell you something, there's pleasure in sin, but the Bible says it's for a season. And see, when you're enjoying it, well, you don't really have any time to talk to anyone, but listen, it's only for a season. And the deception in it is this. The enemy sows into your life and into your heart. You've got great plans. You can go places. See, when I'm 18, this is it. I'm going to just launch out those wings and I'm going to fly. I'm going to tell you something. The devil's a liar. Listen to me. The devil's a liar. And so here we see this rebel, this manipulator, this deceiver, this schemer, this murderer, this liar. And here he's on the donkey and he still has the great hair and he still has the great physique and he has now the throne. He's really manipulated everything. He seems to have got everything. He's got his own way. He left out God. He left out the whole meaning of life. He left out the whole purpose of life is to know this God and to enjoy him and to enjoy him as your Savior and as your Lord and to know the purposes of God for your life. But he left out God and now he's going along. And his donkey. And as he's going through, the thing that he prided himself in the most is her, his appearance, what it all looks like. Everything of what he was confident in was the very thing that was going to snare him. And sin, when it is finished, it brings forth death. Oh, I can fiddle with it. I can play with it. I can, I, can, I can go for it. I can have a good time. I'll not be, listen Tim, I'll not be like you. I'll not, I'll not end up a drunken bum. I'll be able to handle my drink. I'll be able to handle what we take. I'll be able to handle where I go. I'll be able to get on with life. I want to tell you something. You're deceived. Because I was deceived because I thought I could handle it. I thought that I could be the man. I thought that I was, I was in like, 
the Absalom of saying, I'm going to go and I'm going to do and I'm going to, I'm going to be the man. I'm going to be the big boy in the big picture. I'll enjoy the sin. I'll enjoy the bravado. I'll enjoy all what it looks like. I want to tell you something, friend. Oh, if I could turn back the clock. You see, I stand as a man forgiven and knowing the mercy and the grace of God. But I can tell you something. If I knew what I know now, I'd never have walked out into that world for a second. The damage, the mess, the heartache, the brokenness. Here we see him traveling through the branches. It seems as though he's trying to get away. He's trying to still play the game. He's still trying to be smart. But suddenly in that moment, you see, you're going to need this someday. You're going to need to know. I thank God that someone told me the truth when I was growing up. I thank God for my mom and my dad and my grandparents who told me the truth. I thank God for, for, for Uncle Trevor and Auntie Rosemary and the Milltown Baptist kids that taught us the Word of God on a Tuesday night. I thank God for Joe Keig. I thank God for, for Mr. Black. Who, who taught us in Sunday school. I thank God that people stood in front of me and said, son, this is the truth. I thank God for the Sydney Murrays that came and preached the gospel. And Davy McConville years and years ago, when, when we were much younger than people that came and preached and told us the truth of God's word, because there was a moment that came that when, when I was hanging between heaven and hell, that the word of the Lord came back. And I knew at that moment that there was mercy. There was mercy for God. You see, I want to tell you something. You can't outmaneuver God. You can't outwit him. You can easily do that to me. You can easily do that to your parents. But here we find him suddenly hung. Hung. On an oak branch. The wee donkey's moved away. And suddenly everything of what he had put his pride in. Some say it was his head jammed between the tree. I believe it was his hair got wrapped around the branch. And now the thing, the sin, the thing, the sin that so easily will entangle us. That's what he's absolutely hanging on. And you know, when you're hanging from a branch like that. I want to tell you something, you're hopeless, you're helpless, and you need someone, you need someone to get you out of that. No more games, no more manipulating. Now he's just hanging, he's hanging between heaven and hell. I wonder if I ask you this question, what do you think's going through his head at that moment? What do you, what do you think that Absalom would be thinking at that moment? He's schemed, he's planned, he's plotted, he's he's murdered, he's the boy, he has the he's the chariots, he's the man running after him, he's made it. And now suddenly he finds himself hanging at a place. 
What do you think's going through his head? What do you honestly think? What would you think that this man is thinking at that time? Do you think there'd be great swelling, smart words coming out of his mouth? Do you think he would be trying to still outwit or outplay? Do you think, what do you think he'd be saying as he's hanging on this branch? He's schemed, he's planned, he's plotted, he's had it his way, he's done it the way he wants to do it. He finds himself completely hopeless and helpless hanging on a branch. What do you think he's going to say? I wonder, does he realize how helpless he is or how hopeless he is? Does he realize that now his games have all come to an end? Do you know, does he realize that his sin's caught up with him? Because you know your sin will catch up with you. You know what does catch up? You know that, don't you? I wonder who he's waiting to come to rescue him. I wonder who's coming to rescue him. I wonder as he's hanging there, as he's thinking in his head, I wonder who's going to come. I wonder who's going to cut me down. I wonder who's going to help me here. Because he's helpless. He's totally hopeless. I want to ask you tonight, would you want to see Joab or would you want to see David? Who would you want to come and find you in such a position? Joab or David? Because you see, whether you think it or not tonight, if you're not saved, you're hanging between heaven and hell. You might still be playing games. You might still think this is all a big joke. You might still think I've got all my plans and my life planned out and what I'm going to do and where I'm going to go and the sin I'm going to enjoy. And this is all funny, dirty stuff and I don't really care. But let me tell you something. You're going to realize someday that you're hanging between heaven and hell. And you need someone to rescue you. But I tell you who you don't want to come. You don't want Joab. But Joab will come. What does Joab represent? Joab represents the thief, the liar, and the murderer. That's the devil. And the devil has come, and you've heard it too many times. You can quote it back to me. But he's come but for to steal, to kill, and destroy. But Joab's coming. Oh, Joab's coming. And there's no mercy with Joab. None. No mercy with Joab. Joab's finding the darts. He's three darts and he's ready to put them through Absalom's heart. Where is he? And I'm going to take him out. You want to meet Joab? You want to meet Joab? That's the devil. Oh yes. He's come to steal, to kill and destroy. One day, listen, one day friend, one day friend, Just one day, you'll remember this word. I heard the story of a man who got saved. Brother Andy said, I don't know the full story, but I heard a story. Fifty years ago, he heard a word, a message preached. Fifty years ago. Fifty years later, he walked into a mission. The preacher preached on the same verse. 
He waited behind afterwards and said, for 50 years, that verse has never left me and I never get saved that night, but tonight I want to get saved. You see, we just don't preach for the now. We preach in the company of God's people. We preach in the cloud of great witnesses. We preach with the angelic host of heaven and there's an eternal God that watches over this meeting tonight and the seed of his word will go forth tonight and will find a resting place in some heart. For his word shall not return unto him void. It will accomplish that what has been sent to do. Is Joab coming? Yes, he is. Joab's coming. And he's three darts in his hand. And he's got ten angry young men with him. And they're looking for you. And I want to tell you something. The devil's looking for you. The devil's come to take your youth. To take your soul. The devil's come to destroy your life. The devil's come to trail you into a lost eternity. He'll make you rich. He'll make you poor. He'll make you respectable. He'll tell you you're too young. And he'll tell you you're too old. But you're hanging between heaven and hell. Joab's coming. Oh, I can outsmart this. I can outdo all this. Here's what David said to his mighty men. In 2 Samuel chapter 18, verse 5, David commanded Joab. He commanded him. And these mighty men, and he said unto them, this is what he said, do you want to meet Joab or do you want to meet David? But this is what David said. I think about what he's done. He's manipulated. He's murdered one of his sons. He's manipulated his way to the throne. He's undermined his father. He's won the people's hearts. He's been a rascal. He's been burning fields. He's caused nothing but trouble. He's far from peace. And then David said, Man, see when you go out there and you find, I'm paraphrasing, but I'll say the exact term. See when you go out there, man, you find my son. You listen. You find my son. See when you find him. See when you find him. You deal gently for my sake with the young man, even Absalom. See when you find him, you deal gently. But David, look what he's done on you. You're in the wilderness, he's taken your throne. Look at the manipulating, the re-rascal he's been. Look at what the trouble he's caused. David said, see if you find my son, you deal gently with him. Whose hands do you want to fall into tonight? For David's heart is the heart, it's the heart of God himself. And David was in a very difficult place. He said these words. Let me fall into the hand of the Lord, for very great are his mercies. 
Deal gently with him. Have mercy on him. Don't give him what he deserves. Don't give him what he deserves. Is that not the message of the gospel and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that we don't get what we deserve? But he gives us mercy. Another man hung between heaven and hell. That man's name's Jesus. What a saviour. What a glorious saviour. The son of God without sin. The lamb of God hanging on a cross for every man and every woman and every boy and every girl. The sinless, spotless one hanging between heaven and hell stood in the gap for you and for me. And thank God tonight he cried, it is finished. Before he cried that, he said, Father, you forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. If you don't know it, I hope you know it tonight. Joab's coming. Joab's coming. But there's mercy with God. There's mercy with God. Years ago, I thank God I didn't meet Joab. I thank God on the way back I didn't meet the elder brother either. Do you know who I'm talking about? He'd have never let the younger brother, the prodigal, back into the house. Thank God he met the father first. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? You see, friend, there's mercy with God. Amazing mercy. You're looking at a vessel who has no one Nothing but the mercy of God. The mercy of God. I hung between heaven and hell. I've hung there. I've hung between heaven and hell. A place that's hopeless, helpless, and it's a very frightening place. Oh, friends, I want to tell you fear. It's a frightening place. It's a lonely place. Because see, in the end, you don't have all the buddies. You don't have all the all the crew. You don't have all the big wigs. You don't have all the big things. See, in the end, in that path of destruction, when sin begins to grip you, you find yourself hanging between heaven and hell. I've said it many times. I sat in a little flat in Ealing in London, I was hanging between heaven and hell. Hanging. I thought I was going there to party. The party was over. I can tell you, friend, when you're hanging between heaven and hell, I'm so glad for the word of the Lord that was put in me from a young child because then I knew at that moment Joab's coming. But Lord, will you have mercy? And he did. And he saved me. Just in time. Just in time. You're hanging. 
between heaven and hell. Plotting, scheming. I want to tell you, friend, listen to me tonight. Give your life to Jesus. Call out for mercy. What a life he has. What a life he has. If you don't, Joab's coming. You remember Joab? Joab has no mercy. No mercy with the devil. But there's mercy with Jesus. Let's pray together tonight.